Support for this podcast comes from Outdoor Supply Hardware, inviting listeners to OSHA's big anniversary sale celebration, May 20th through the 26th, featuring daily deals, $15,000 in giveaways, 20% off store-wide on Saturday and Sunday, and a lot more. Learn more at OSH.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment, and if you love what you're hearing... And I know you love what you're hearing. Please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Temperatures in far northern California and across much of southern California are expected to be in the triple digits again today. But California's power grid operator isn't expecting to issue a flex alert, which would have asked residents to voluntarily conserve power. It says it'll have enough supply to meet any added demands. Several cities have broken record high daily temperatures this month, and forecasters expect the city of Reading to tie its June record for most 100-degree days at 17 as the month wraps up this week. California lawmakers will vote today on the nuts and bolts of a nearly $263 billion state budget. With more, here's KQED's Katie Orr. The legislature had previously approved essentially a placeholder budget to meet their June 15th constitutional deadline while continuing to negotiate with Governor Gavin Newsom. The final deal contains several big ticket items, including expanding Medi-Cal to eligible undocumented adults 50 and over. A record $25 billion will be put into the state's reserves. In addition, more than $8 billion will go toward direct cash payments for income eligible Californians as part of a COVID relief package. California's new fiscal year begins July 1st. For the California Report, I'm Katie Orr in Sacramento. And the state legislature is also expected to vote today to extend California's eviction moratorium until the end of September. KQED's Molly Solomon reports. The vote comes just days before California's eviction protections are set to expire. The new plan also includes an increase in the amount of money the state would pay to clear rent owed to landlords. Instead of the current 80 percent, the state is proposing to pay all of the missed rent. An estimated 750,000 California renters are behind on payments. Governor Gavin Newsom announced the deal on Friday. The state of California has now agreed with the legislature to the largest and most comprehensive renter protection deal in the United States. This buys the state more time to distribute rent relief, which has been slow to go out. So far, California says it's paid out less than 10 percent of money applied for. San Francisco lawmaker David Chu chairs the Assembly Housing Committee. He says the application process has gotten easier and he hopes more renters will apply. What it means is they have a little bit more time to apply immediately for the billions of dollars of financial assistance that's available to them. The delay has been frustrating for landlords, too, says Tom Bannon, president of the California Apartment Association. Many have now gone over a year without getting rent payments, but their bills have still come due. Still having to pay the mortgage, still having to pay the insurance, still having to pay maintenance costs, still having to pay taxes. 
And some of them are having a very, very difficult time hanging on. Between now and the end of September, tenant advocate Brian Augusta says California needs to move faster to get the money to those who need it. Otherwise, we're going to be back having the same conversation about extending these protections further in order to make sure that we don't have a wave of evictions while we've got money sitting in the bank that could help avert a disaster. An eviction disaster that could make the state's homeless crisis even worse than it is today. For the California Report, I'm Molly Solomon. And lawmakers in Sacramento are also expected to vote on changes to California's recall laws today. The proposal would allow lawmakers to alter the recall timeline and speed up the process. Most view it as a way for Democrats to take advantage of what they see as more favorable numbers for Gavin Newsom, who's facing a recall election. But critics have called this another move by politicians to do whatever they can to stay in power. There are many people campaigning to replace Governor Gavin Newsom in the recall election, but the one who many political observers think could be Newsom's most formidable challenger is Kevin Faulkner. Faulkner, a Republican, was mayor of San Diego serving from 2014 until last year. While in office, he cultivated a non-ideological results-oriented image, tackling such issues as homelessness. The California Report talked to Faulkner about his gubernatorial bid. We met him at his campaign office in San Diego. We need a governor who's going to solve the problems that is facing our state and somebody who can really roll up their sleeves and get results. You know, as mayor of, of San Diego, I was known for as being a problem solver. And I think that's what Californians want right now is a governor who's going to jump right in, tackle the big issues that I think our state is facing our state right now in terms of affordability, livability, homelessness, public safety. Uh, reopening our schools. Um, I think that Californians want a change at the top, and they want a governor who's going to get results. Let's talk about your marquee initiative that you've introduced, which you're calling the largest middle class tax cut in California history. Uh, You want to essentially reduce uh, state income taxes for individuals earning $50,000 or less. You want to do the same for families earning less than $100,000. What do you think it would do for the state? Well, I think it's going to make it more affordable, and particularly for for our families and folks that that need it the most. When we look at the sky-high cost, and what is the solution from our friends in Sacramento? It's always, we want to raise taxes. And so when the solution from Sacramento is always, we want you to send more money, I have a vastly different view. If we continue with that, we're going to continue to make it unaffordable for Californians to raise their family here. And so it's not about sending more money to Sacramento. It's about allowing Californians to keep more of their hard-earned money in their pockets. Because if we don't, if we continue to increase costs on California families, it's going to be unaffordable to live and raise a family in California. When you um, got into this race, California was in the grip of the pandemic. Things looked really grim. But as we sit here today, the state is opening up. COVID cases are down. The state is awash in money uh, from tax revenue. So what's the problem that has to be solved with a recall of Governor Newsom? Because we have a governor and administration that is not addressing the real issues that people care about. I mean, we just talked about- They fought the pandemic. They fought the pandemic. What's your question? I'm sorry. Well, the question is, I mean, they put in place programs to fight the pandemic, and we're getting through that now. We all wanted California to get over the pandemic. And, and again, I think what, 
what we saw in the frustration of Californians is we had a governor that constantly changed the rules of the road, constantly changed the metrics. And yes, we have to protect lives, and we also have to protect livelihoods. And the fact that this governor, hey, we had businesses open and close five and six different times. We have our public schools are still, still not fully reopened. That's what I'm talking about in terms of a governor that hasn't stood up for Californians and doing the right thing. What would a Governor Faulkner have done that Newsom did not do? Would have followed the science. The fact when the governor shut down outdoor dining during the midst of this with absolutely no science behind the transmission spread of COVID-19 in an outdoor setting. And that's what I'm talking about in terms of the leadership that matters the most to Californians. And as we come on the other side of COVID-19, and folks are seeing you know, the second highest unemployment rate right now in the country, as we are seeing violent crime rise in virtually every city in California. These are the things that require leadership. And it's not about partisanship. I, I think most Californians don't care if you have an R or a D next to your name. What they want is somebody who's going to actually tackle these issues. It's about action, not about rhetoric. I'm not bringing you any new news when I say California is a very blue state. Is there anything kind of seen as typically liberal, blue state California that you want to roll back, that you think has gone too far, from Newsom's plan for all electric automobiles to it's really easy to vote in California versus other states. Is there any of that that you don't like and you think, you know what, enough of that. Time to, time to go in reverse a bit. As you know, I'm not somebody who really gets caught up in labels. But I'll give you an example of, of I think, you know, the, the policies are, that some across California have supported, which is this whole defund the police movement. I think that's incredibly wrong. I think it's incredibly important that we have the best men and women who wear a badge protecting our neighborhoods. And if we want that to happen, you have to give them the tools, the resources, and the training to be successful. And that costs dollars. And that's why, yes, this past summer, when I had hundreds of protesters out in front of my personal house uh, yelling at me and my family every name at the book and defund the police, it only strengthened my resolve not to. And in fact, I increased the budget by 7% because I want our officers to have the best support and training. And I got that passed through a super majority Democrat city council. Again, I think these are things that are common sense. Let's talk about a figure who still looms large in American politics, Donald Trump. You voted for him again in the last election. You say you voted for him because he was good on the economy. But what do you say to voters out there who may like a lot of what you say, but they, they hear that and they go, that's a bridge too far for me. He voted for Donald Trump again. I'm sorry, Kevin Faulkner. I just can't cast my ballot for you because you supported that man. You say what? I think what a lot of Californians are looking for is a governor who's actually going to get results on the issues that you and I have been talking about. Uh, they say that issue kind of transcends policy proposal X, Y, or Z, that Donald Trump was an existential threat to this country, and yet you voted for him. You would say what? I think that there's room for folks who voted for a Republican or Democrat. I think what Californians want right now is a governor who's going to roll up their sleeves and actually make a difference on the issues that they care about. And I believe that that's what Californians want right now. They want to have to want to debate on, on you know, national politics. They want a governor who's going to stand up, reduce the cost of living, a governor who's going to actually get homeless and tent encampments off our sidewalks. I think that's what Californians are looking for. How are you going to get homeless encampments off our sidewalks exactly? We're going to take the exact same model that we were able to do in San Diego. 
I set up a series of shelter networks in San Diego. And by the way, I picked the locations uh, as mayor. And we provided all the help, the wraparound services, and the support. And when we did that, I insisted that we do not allow tent encampments on our sidewalks. It worked. And I intend to take that exact same approach, which if you distilled it down, is that I believe that every human being has the right to shelter. And we need to provide that shelter. And when we do, I believe that they have an obligation to use it. And I enforced that obligation as mayor. So go to the shelter if we provide one to you, homeless person, unhoused person, or there will be a consequence to you, namely you won't be allowed to pitch your tent on the sidewalk. Essentially is it, right? You have to provide the incentives, you have to provide the location, and you have to provide, to your point, the consequences as well. You describe yourself as a problem solver. What exactly is your ideology? Because for better or worse, that's important to a lot of people. Yeah, look, and, and, and as mayor, I was known as, as, a, as a problem solver who can, who can get things done. I mean, my, my entire tenure as mayor of San Diego, the second largest city in our great state, Republican mayor who had to interact with the majority Democrat city council. And I'm a big believer that virtually all of these issues that we're talking about, it's not about partisanship, it's common sense. And you can either you know, stand up and address them or, or you can't. And that's why I feel so strongly, you know, how do you win in California? You win by addition. You win by bringing Democrats, Republicans, and independents together with a vision and a goal that says we want our state to get back on track. We don't like what we're seeing in terms of affordability and livability. And they want a governor who's gonna tackle these head on. So it sounds like, in other words, you're saying, if you want a culture warrior, I'm not your guy. Well, think, is that right? What I'm saying is, is Californians want a governor who's going to stand up and actually give results on the issues that matter to them the most. And that is our quality of life. And that is our ability to be able to afford to live here. And the fact of the matter is, as we have seen this past year, we're actually losing population. As we see, we have lost a congressional seat in California. People are voting with their feet. They're voting with our feet because our state is too expensive. And we have a governor that doesn't seem to realize that that's a problem. Kevin Faulkner, gubernatorial candidate of California, former mayor of San Diego. Thank you so much. Thanks again. Great to see you. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. 
California cities are getting about $8 billion in federal funds as part of the Biden administration's American Rescue Plan, or ARPA. The money is supposed to help municipalities recover from the pandemic. And because of population size, the amounts they'll receive vary wildly. LA is getting more than a billion dollars and San Francisco more than 450 million. But far smaller municipalities are getting money too. Like the tiny town of Trinidad, population 350, which will receive $84,000. I talked about how cities, large and small, will spend the money with Carolyn Coleman. She's the executive director for the League of California Cities. Those resources will come in to help stabilize local government operations, to help in many instances our local governments continue to support the operations of their small businesses. A number of our communities had uh, rental assistance pools that they helped put together. A number of them had food delivery programs. Um, Many of them were experiencing overtime pay with some of their public safety resources um, in terms of helping to keep their community safe. But there are also housing and infrastructure and broadband resources in ARPA that not only help cities recover, but also position them for a strong recovery going forward. Do you think there are anything cities might want to spend this money on that might be a bad idea, maybe because they have little to do with the pandemic or economic recovery? You know, these these dollars do not come without strings attached. So there there are guardrails in the guidance that's been issued by Treasury of what these these funds cannot be used for. For example, you cannot use these funds to offset pension liability. There are caps in terms of how much of these resources can be used to offset um, a revenue shortfall. So there are legitimate guardrails. And what about the argument that economically speaking, things are looking up, the state of California's coffers are full because of windfall tax revenues during the pandemic, and maybe cities just don't need this kind of help anymore. What do you say? See, there's no question that that cities need this level of support. I know much is made of the state surplus. Much is made of the fact that um, the state will also receive um, some resources from the, the American Rescue Plan. But frankly, the state is funded in a very different way than um, our cities are funded. Our cities are funded primarily by sales taxes. So we cannot compare and, and assume that because the state has such a, a rosy revenue outlook that that is true for our cities because that in fact is is not the case. Cities have um, a very different recovery trajectory and we also will continue to look to the state to share some of its surplus uh, with our cities to ensure that recovery is robust and even and in all sectors of our of our communities. All right, Carolyn Coleman, executive director of the League of California Cities. Thanks so much. So always a pleasure. And that is the California Report for Monday, June 28th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from Blue Shield of California, rebuilding the future of health care with every Californian in mind, from quality and equitable care to not-for-profit values. Learn more at news.blueshieldca.com. Water heaters only. Specializing in the repair and replacement of water heaters since 1968. Licensed and insured. Open 24 hours a day every day. Learn more at waterheatersonly.com.
And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.